So that said, I've just laying it all out there, and we'll see how this goes this morning, right? We'll see if, this is, if the Holy Spirit is in fact enough as he promised that he would be, especially because I'm talking about marriage and divorce on baby dedication day. So uh, it's like, yeah, thanks, Jesus. Could you have given me a little easier one, like you know, the woman at the well or something on that day? But it's not. This is where we are. And wherever you are when you're going through the Word is where you are and where we are is Mark chapter 10. And if you would, um, if you've got a, a Bible where you've got like a written Bible, I would ask you to consider doing something this morning. And the chapters and the verses, those are not inspired, right? God's words are inspired. Somebody thoughtfully and helpfully decided to add numbers and stuff later. And, and even more thoughtfully, they thought, well, we'll add some little subtitles so you'll know what they're talking about. And, and at the subtitle in chapter 10, it actually says divorce. Now, I want you to know that I have marked that out of my Bible because that was not in the original language. That was somebody trying to be helpful. And I don't think that that is what Jesus is driving at here is not divorce. What he's driving at is how can you be in a relationship in a Genesis 3 world? To put it differently, here's how marriage was meant to be in Eden, but I don't live in Eden. I live east of Eden. I didn't get married in Eden. I got married in Catoosa, Oklahoma, right next to a trailer park. Like I got, that's where we got married. So Jesus talks about how does this even work? And then he ends in the same sermon. A bunch of kids comes in, he puts them on his lap. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel in this. So I'm going to read uh, chapters, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. And then I want to show you what I think that Jesus was, what was happening here and how that it actually matters to you and to I, whether you're married or whether you're single, because he deals with both of those in this passage. So in verse one, it says, Jesus left that place and he went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him. As was his custom, he taught them. It's what he did. Some Pharisees came and they tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus says, well, what did Moses command? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And then Jesus says, well, that was because your hearts were hard. That Moses wrote this law, Jesus replied. In other words, that's the Genesis 3 world, but that's not how it was meant to be. In the garden, at the beginning of creation of God, he made them male and female, that God created them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. See what I'm saying? It's talking about relationship. How many weddings have you been in? They quote this passage in the wedding. This is a marriage verse. Be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, because of that, what God has joined together, let no one separate. If you've got a King James, it might say cut asunder or put asunder. It's the language of amputation. That's what he's talking about. Which is funny because he's just talking about amputate your feet, amputate your... This is the theme that is sort of unfolding. Let no man amputate this. And then in verse 10, when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. And he answered that anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, well, she commits adultery. 
And then this is all same sermon, same thing happening. It's like a bunch of kids bust in the door right now. He doesn't break his stride and children come in and people are bringing their little children to Jesus to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he, he blessed them. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your word to be light for us today. And I pray, oh Lord, that your spirit would be all over us, that your anointing would break the yoke in our lives this morning and our relationships, whether we're married or whether we're single. I pray that you would just be all over us today. That's my prayer. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Uh, Amen. My brother shared this sign with me this week. I don't know if you've seen this floating around the internet. It says, do not cross this field unless you can do it in nine seconds because the bull can do it in ten. In the town I grew up in, that mattered. <laughs> and I don't know, I was, I was thinking some of what the disciples are saying here, because in, in the chapter 18 version of this, he says, uh, the disciples at one point say, after Jesus kind of lays all this out, going, well, then why? Don't get married then. This is so hard. How are we ever going to get married? Why should we get married? To put it differently, it's like your marriage is, you better be able to make it across the pasture, Right? in nine seconds because Satan can make it across in 10. That that's sort of what he's unfolding here for us. Now, in this passage, there are two, I don't know any other way to go over this passage than to go through this passage. Because in this passage, you got two different groups of people. You got Pharisees and you got disciples. You got those who want to trust Jesus. You got those who want to uh, trick Jesus. Those who want to fool Jesus. Those who want to follow Jesus. Jesus, those who are looking for a truth, those who are looking for a a trap. The Pharisees looking for a trap, looking to trick Jesus, looking to make him stumble. And the disciples are just genuinely asking, how does this even work then? And what Jesus does, and you know, it's, it's probably worth me mentioning this. I got less than 30 minutes today. If you walk in here and there's some serious stuff going on in your marriage, I got a newsflash, I don't have a pill for that. Uh, I'm not that good of a preacher. Nobody is. But you know, one of the things that we have access to in our church family that I want to just make you aware of this morning before we say anything else, uh, Dr. Joe Beam uh, has been around our church for a while. Kimberly Holmes is the president of this little organization. And they do amazing work working with marriages. And what I say about that with them is that it's not that 100% of the marriages that get there succeed but you don't go down without a fight. That's all we're asking, right? Is if, it's, if you're gonna go down, don't go down without a fight. And this marriage helper, they're literally right here in Thompson Station. Kimberly and Rob will probably be here second service. So I want you to just know that if you've got a problem, and I say that because some things I'm gonna say this morning, there's not a one size fits all for this kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of uh, situations where people have stayed in abusive relationships, physically abusive relationships, and they're staying there because, well, Jesus said it was only because of adultery. And so I can't because I wasn't. Now, that said, Jesus, just a few chapters earlier said, 
right? If you have even looked upon a woman with lust in your heart that you have committed the sin of adultery, okay? So if we want to split hairs on it, Every woman in this room has the reason to put their husband away, okay? I'm just saying, if that's the road you want to go down is the legalism road, right? But Joe uh, Beam can do some serious work with you on this stuff. The Pharisees, I don't think we're looking for the answer to the question. They knew the answer to the question. They knew what Moses had said, which is why Jesus said. But it's interesting Because where were they at when they asked this question? In the region of Judea, in the region where Herod was in charge. If you've got your Bibles, would you just do me a quick favor and flip over one, just a couple pages to Mark chapter 6. Herod Antipas, who had beheaded John the Baptist in Mark chapter 6. And Herod Antipas had married his brother's wife. And John the Baptist is calling him on it, saying, this is not what, this is, this is not lawful. He's, a, he's saying, you are in sin for what you've done here. And it's because of that, uh, Mark 6, let's say verse 17, 18, talks about he's married Philip, his, his brother's wife, and for your brother's wife. And so Herodias, the woman, had nursed a grudge. And the point being is that John had said marriage is between a man and a woman, and it's who you've made your commitment to, and you just putting away uh, your wife because you don't like her anymore, and you're going to trade her in for this year's model. That got John the Baptist killed. Do you think for a second that maybe the Pharisees might have had the question behind the question, which is getting Jesus to say this out loud in Herodias' backyard and Herod Antipas' to maybe get him killed to say that? And this is an interesting thought for me because all he says is that in the beginning, God created the male and female. And it was for this reason that he said that we would come together, that there would... Now, that same statement, by the way, today can get you killed. Maybe not physically, but it can get you killed socially. It can get you ostracized. It can get you just, I mean, literally just this week, football player, Drew Brees, all he says is, hey, a little video, can you take your... Encouraging young people to take your Bible to school and was crucified on Twitter He's crucified because the hate group that he was aligned with was focused on the family. It's Jim Daly, James Dobson. The point being that it was true. And Jesus still told the truth. And sometimes we got to tell the truth in the world. And by the way, the truth is that Jesus loves them. The truth is that Jesus wants all of us to come into salvation and wants all of us. But the truth is, is that in the beginning, in the garden, that God created a male and female. And it was for this reason that he said that they would become, the two would become one flesh. That was what Jesus was saying. The Pharisees were trying to trick him and he still gave him the truth. And there's a little bit of a lesson for us in our world right now that if this is the question that's being asked, can we tell the truth even if there are consequences for that, right? But then you've got the disciples, and the disciples are really trying to just figure this out. Like, how, how can this even work? They're not worried about whether it's a man or a woman. They're worried about, it's a man and a woman, and it's still hard. Shannon and I got married in a, in a, a little country church in Catoosa, Oklahoma. Has anybody ever been to Catoosa, Oklahoma? I don't know that you could possibly get any more redneck than Catoosa, Oklahoma. And we get married, we had no money, 
We got, we did, uh, uh, if, if Dave Ramsey, if you're listening, cover your ears. We, uh, we, <laughs> we put like, what was it? How much do you think we spent? $3,600? Oh, about 2000 Okay. It felt worse than that to me back then. All on a Capital One credit card. Because, you know, we were in, in, in a place with our world where our parents weren't borrowing us money. They were borrowing money from us. So that's just the world we grew up in. We didn't, I didn't know come here from Sikkim. I, I didn't know anything. And so suddenly, we're married. And everything's supposed to be awesome. And here's why I thought it was supposed to be awesome. Would you, if, if you got your Bible, go to the book of Genesis with me. Chapter 2. Because this is how it was meant to be. This was Eden. This is how God had in, intended it to be. Remember, everything... Everything is good. Because what did he say? In the beginning, male and female, he created him. He's talking about Adam and Eve. He's talking about the garden. Jesus is even quoting from Genesis chapter two. For this reason, will a man leave his father and mother and uh, leave from them and, and cleave? And, and if you want to have the, this, the sermon about you know, m- you know, leaving and, and mothers and mothers-in-law getting out of the business of their children, I'm not, that's a whole other sermon. And that, I, I don't, that could get me fired. But uh, today... Leaving and cleaving, because it says that in verse 17 that the Lord said it's not good for man to be alone. Everything was good. Everything, but this wasn't. And if you've ever been around a dude when the wife's out of town, it's not good (laughs) for man to be alone. (laughs) It's just not good. So I will make a helper suitable for him. And there's more things that were created. And, but Adam, uh, it says that no suitable, verse 21, Adam, there was no suitable helper found, which I love because, you know, Adam's looking around going, hey, there's two of them and there's two of those and there's two of that, but there's only one of me. And I love it because he's waiting on God to fix it. He's not trying to fix it himself. And if you're in a young dating relationship, that's some really good advice because, you know, Adam could have looked and said, you know, uh, the chimp, it's close. Close. Eh, not close enough. Sometimes we settle for close. <laughs> and God's saying, I've got, a tr- I've got the one for you. You don't need to settle. But he says that a no suitable helper was found, and so the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord made a woman from the rib that he'd taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said... Hubba, hubba, hubba. I believe that's the original Hebrew. This is now, but listen to what he says. This is now bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. You, you Notice something. He didn't say she shall be called Eve. He says she shall be called woman. Because she's one. There's no separation between the two of them. It wasn't that she was less than Eve, Adam. She was Adam. Adam was woman. They were together. That's why when I do a wedding ceremony, one of the things I like to say is that he created her from under his arm. Uh, She could command his protection from near his heart, right? That she could command his love. It wasn't from under his feet that he could trample on her, from his head that he could lord over her. Right, he, he created her in a way, and that was how it was meant to be. She had a place, he had a place. The equality that the world is longing for, 
They long for it because that's how it was meant to be in Eden. But something happens. They decide that we're not going to have you to be Lord over us. And sin enters the world for the first time. And it says that in chapter 3 as it goes on, by the way, verse 25, I love that, uh, of chapter 2. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And one of the things that husbands and wives were meant to be able to be was to be completely naked, not just physically, but emotionally, and to feel no shame. That's how it was meant to be. And the longer you're married, the harder you know that is, that there are just certain things that I don't want to say that because I just feel shame when I say that. And so I'll just hide that or I'll hide this. And that's part of what happens in the Genesis 3 world, not the Genesis 2 world. But the fruit, they ate from the fruit and uh, God goes looking for Adam and it says, you know, when he finally finds him, Adam says, I was hiding because I was naked and I was ashamed. And who, oh, I love what God says. Who told you you were naked? Who told you that? Not how are you, but who told you? What the first lie of humanity of that you're not valuable, that you're thrown away, that you're, who told you? Who are you listening to? And one of the things that breaks marriages apart more than anything else is me listening to a lie. Who told you that you weren't valuable? Who told you that you weren't beautiful? Who told you? It wasn't him that told you that. But then something happens. That's how it was meant to be in Genesis 2. But Genesis 3, sin does what sin does, which is it separates. It separated man from God and it separated man from each other, Adam from Eve. And the curse of what, the, the result, the response of what happened is this, that he says to Eve, talks about your pains in childbirth. And look, I've, I've been on the business end of four of those being born. It's like the equivalent of shoving a ham through your nose. There's just this like, how does that even happen? Pain and in childbirth and probably will not say that in second service. The desire for your husband, your lucky morning you've got right here. Uh, Buford walking at the exact right time. Um, but here's, here's the curse that's happening where sin has separated man from woman to Eve, your desire will be for your husband. And the Hebrew is you will desire his place. To put it differently, you had a place, but you don't have it anymore. Where do you fit now? And the enmity that happens between a man and a woman is where do I fit? Where do I fit? We're supposed to be, we, the, the garden, we were supposed to be unified and not know where, I don't know where you stop and I start. And here now, there's a separation that wasn't there anymore. And so much of the battle is from a female, from the woman, of the fear of I don't have a place anymore, of the fear of losing control of this. And from the man, it is the fear of, it's the shame that I'm not enough. Because what is, he talks about, man, you're going to do this and it's not going to work. You're going to try to garden and it's not going to work. So for the female, it's fear that I don't have a place. And for the man, it's the shame that I can't do this right. Which is why husbands and wives, when we're communicating each other with each other, one of the great tricks, one of the hacks that we can do 
is to understand that for the, for the most part from the feminine that it is a fear from that, a fear of losing control, a fear of being isolated, the fear of being alone. To not heap that fear more on them by isolating them more. And wives, when you're talking to your husbands, they already know they screwed it up. Don't heap more shame on them. Use those, kind, this is just a, it's just a little hack that, I don't know, we're 25 years in, I'm about 10% good at that. I got 90% still to go. But there's a, a hack in that of where even at the beginning of time where that curse is, where we started. But that's what's happening. Now, interesting, it's in this passage, listen, verse 20, Adam named his wife Eve after the fall, not before. Because now she's separate and as desperate as they want, as much as they desire to be the way it was, they can't be anymore. And so what Jesus is pointing to is not a hopeless endeavor or enterprise. He's giving us a model of what we can aim for, but knowing that we will always fall short of that and the grace that we need to have for each other in that. The, the grace that we can offer a spouse. Jesus, when you go back to the book of Mark with me now, I know we've taken the scenic route, because Jesus is then saying to them, look, this is why when you've divorced somebody, it's not like just changing your clothes. This is an amputation. Sometimes divorce is gonna be necessary. There's a young man in the, in the service last week, he sits in the front row and he had to amputate his uh, leg because of diabetes. The amputation was to save his life. So Jesus was saying in this, let no man cut asunder, but there is going to be a moment where sometimes that's going to be necessary. And it's not like changing clothes. If you go to a doctor and his first response is to cut it off, you might want to find a different doctor. That's a last resort, not a first resort. But sometimes it is the only resort. And I just want you to hear me say that this morning. If you are in an abusive and a physically abusive relationship, get help. There is help. Marriagehelper.com is a great place to start. Tell them you're with Conduit. They will put you on the top of the list for that. And if you think, yeah, but God hates divorce. He does. That's what the prophet Micah says. But Jeremiah, the prophet... Jehovah himself says that I have divorced you, O Israel. God himself claiming as a divorcee because of an abusive relationship. Do with that what you, what you will. But as you're thinking about what Jesus is saying here this morning, the hope for us today in all of this, because the disciples, Matthew 18, which is the parallel telling of this story, they say, well, Jesus, isn't it better? I think it's verse 10. Let's just not get married at all. Let's not. And what does Jesus start talking about? I swear I'm not making this up. He starts talking about eunuchs. <laughs> now, keeping in mind, Jesus has just been talking about cutting off hands, cutting off feet, <laughs> gouging out eyes. And can you imagine the disciples going, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, let's keep it classy here. Like what? Eunuchs, that's what you're going to talk about? You can go there later and read it. I was reading it last night going, this is hilarious. Because if I'm one of the disciples, that's exactly where I'm going. That's what I got to do? And by the way, what he's talking about in that is he says this, that some were born eunuchs, which means, by the way, Jesus has created a category because there are those who have been born into a fallen world 
who've got situations going on where they were born a way that you or I weren't born. And it's, it's confusing with both chromosomes. It's a fallen world we live in. It's just true. And Jesus has a category for that. He says, some were made eunuchs, okay? Don't sign me up for that rodeo. But then some, he says, will choose to live, this is what he says, choose to live as a eunuch. And what he means is that there is a calling for some to be single. That's what Paul talks about. Is it 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 7? To be single is not a failure. Some people are called to be that way. It's okay. But for the rest, for those of us who are married... How do I live this way? How do I, if I've looked upon a woman with lust, now I've committed adultery, how does that marriage survive? How do I, how do I make it across the pasture of marriage, right, in nine seconds because Satan can do it in 10? And I love the grace that he gives us here because what does Jesus do? He invites the children back to his lap again. You see, think about this for just a second. Jesus says that the only reason for adultery that is biblical, if you want to use that language, is, uh, is adultery. He refers to us as his bride. Ephesians 5 says that you are the bride. I want a bride that is perfect. And He's saying now the reason that he could divorce us is for unfaithfulness. He gives, listen, he gives himself the out and he doesn't take it he says you've been unfaithful I'm not going anywhere and by the way some of the strongest marriages that come out of marriage helper where there's been infidelity there's a strength that can happen in a marriage it's the thing you don't ever want to happen but God will not waste your pain but Jesus himself gives himself that out and then he doesn't take it and he invites these children onto his lap. And this is the promise that I want to share with you this morning. I told you about East of Eden. That's the language of this. The book, John Steinbeck wrote a book called East of Eden. Some of you have read it. And at the end of the book, this is his manifesto. He, he talks about the word Timshell. And this idea, it's sort of a modern retelling of the Cain and Abel story. Okay, Adam and Eve, the first parents, now we're going to their children. Jesus brings children to his lap, okay? The first children. And in this uh, Cain and Abel retelling, at the end of the book, there's this profound statement about how thou mayest, uh, uses the, the Hebrew word Tim Shells. Anybody read the book? Maybe third service. Uh, the, the reason it's important is that in our current society, Oprah, uh, Obama, Silicon Valley, there's actually a website called timshell.org because the idea that he was saying was that what God was telling to Cain was this word, this Hebrew word timshell means that you can overcome evil, right? That the children, so in other words, it puts the, you know, thou mayest overcome this, thou mayest rule over, that's what he says, Ephesians, or Genesis 4, 7 says, and it's the word timshell. In fact, you go to timshell.org, there's a Silicon Valley company, and the entire idea right now is that if I have a choice and I can defeat sin. Sounds really good on paper, doesn't it? But nobody fact-checked the fact that there is no Hebrew word, Tim Shell. He was wrong. 
It's a word called Tim Shoal. It's not even the right word. And so not only was it not the right word that an entire population of people are building their philosophy and their life on is that I can overcome evil if I just try hard enough. Steinbeck was wrong. It wasn't even a word. In fact, it's Gen- I keep saying Hebrews. Genesis 4 verse 7, he talks about you can overcome sin, talking to Cain. And the very next verse, Cain kills his brother. It didn't work. But just a few verses later, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and gave birth to a son named Seth. Seth means foundation. Seth, the origin. Seth, it was through the bloodline of Seth that Jesus would come. Steinbeck was wrong. You're not going to overcome this. Steinbeck was wrong. If you're going to try to make it across the pasture before Satan gets you, you're going to get killed. It's only if you get into the lap as a child, the lap of Christ himself, and let him drive you across. How many of you grew up in a place where your daddy ever put you on his lap and let you drive when you were like eight years old? Anybody? How much driving were you actually doing? How much driving did you think you were doing? Right, you're crushing it. But daddy was steering. Mama was steering for some of you. Mama had the foot on the accelerator. She was making the car go. Dad was making it go. My point is, is that until you get your marriage back into the lap of Jesus, you're going to drive it into a wall. The bull is going to get you because you can't run fast enough. Cain couldn't run fast enough. Steinbeck couldn't run fast enough. Cain was never going to rule over his sin. Jesus was. Such as this, let these kids come in here. At a time when the parents were supposed to be teaching the children, it was the children teaching the parents. Let there be a lesson for us this morning that the gospel on the lap of Christ that your marriage and I, I do want to say this and then we're going to end because I, I don't know everybody in here but some of you maybe you've been in a situation where you, you were married and you were divorced and now you're remarried and now what do I do? What do I even do? Do you not think that God's grace is so aggressive that he can't find you? King David, you talk about a marriage born out of a problem. And I don't know, maybe someone in here did, you know, kill somebody and marry his wife. I don't know that. But if you did, so did David. Uh, You know, it's America. I don't know anymore. Listening to a crime junkies podcast, I don't know. I mean, y'all might be killers for all I know. uh, Yeah. My daughters have turned to me onto these crime junkies podcasts. I'm like, girls, how are you even sleeping at night right now? But the point is, is that David did some really crazy and some really stupid stuff. And he would end up marrying a girl named Bathsheba. Had her husband killed. Bathsheba was going to give birth to a son named Solomon. Solomon would be directly in the bloodline of Christ. Jesus can get in the middle of your biggest screw-ups. 
get back on his lap this morning, would you? Stand to your feet, I wanna pray for you. Heavenly Father, pray for your word to be a light and a lamp this morning that you Steinbeck was wrong. You were right, Jesus. No surprise there. And my prayer this morning is that we're not going to try to Tim shell anything. We're going to let you overcome and we're going to let you rule over all of that and crawl right back up into the lap of Jesus this morning. Seth, the foundation, you have overcome that sin for us. I pray for our marriages this morning so much the work that you want to do. We've been married east of Eden. We can see what it was supposed to be, but we can't get there. But can we build the best possible outpost of the kingdom even in our own marriage? Jesus, that's our prayer. It's in your name that we pray. Amen, amen.